Hey weirdos, Steph here. And before we jump into this week's episode, I just want to remind you all that our Italy trip is happening next spring 2024. So if you have not booked your spot already to join Andrew, myself, and other weirdos in Florence and Rome next year, please do yourself a favor and do so now. There are payment plans available and you'll find all the information about this trip in the show notes. Thanks. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. We're back, weirdos. Welcome to episode number 95 of the History for Weirdos podcast. And I'm back this time. Yeah, you're back. Yay! Oh, it's so nice, honestly, to have you back for two reasons. One, like, you're my best friend and I love you and yada, yada, yada. But two, Aww. like, you can actually do episodes. And it's oh, not just going to yeah. be me yeah. talking into the <laughs> infinite void. I really appreciate you stepping up for me last week and doing a solo episode. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Honestly, um, I'm just really, really happy, though, that you're back. <laughs> <laughs> I can't state that enough. I can only imagine. I don't think I would have the guts to do a solo episode without you. It was n- it was much harder than I was anticipating, to be honest. But plenty, I've thought about this before, like plenty of people have YouTube channels and podcasts where it's just them talking. Right. I feel like that would be so hard. It is. I have a lot of respect for those creators. Yeah. Um, And because I know that I have a few like close friends that are those type of creators. And honestly, that really, really made me respect them even more. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's so nice to have someone to talk to. Exactly. Especially someone you like. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, weirdos, I will say before we even like start this episode, I just want to give like some funnier episodes or episodes, funnier things that happened while you were recovering. Oh, yes. Yes. There's a lot has happened. A lot has happened. Since I've last been on History for Weirdos. Yeah. And I guess before I even state that or (laughs) (laughs) recount those funny stories. I have to say that, you know, one, Stephanie, in her professional career, she just received her license. I did. And it's like such a big deal. Like, guys, this took, oh. we've been working, or you, we, <laughs> you have been working on this for the last like six years. And it finally, mm. we finally ended that chapter. And it was, that's so amazing, honestly. You're so sweet. Thank you. I didn't know you were going to bring this up. I appreciate it. Yeah, I got my uh, LCSW, which means mm-hmm. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in the state of California. And it has been a long journey. It's been a very long journey. And you have been such a big part of that. So I think the we was appropriate because you've supported me <laughs> in so many different ways. Um, so I'm so excited. I got my license. That's one of the things. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you all know the reason that I wasn't on the podcast last week was the day after I passed my clinical exam, I got eye surgery. Right. And guys, she was blind as a bat and yeah. just was being fed drugs after drugs after drugs. <laughs> yes. 
drugs, which is probably... All legal drugs, by the way. Yeah, yeah, prescribed by the doctor. I Just if anyone's curious, uh, glasses wearers might be curious. I got PRK, which is similar to LASIK. LASIK is the one we all hear about. Like, oh, it's like a really easy laser procedure. PRK it uses a laser as well, and it's also an outpatient procedure, but it's a little more intensive mm-hmm. um, because it's it reshapes your eye essentially. So it's a little more aggressive and to help manage the pain, they just really pumped me full of, full of drugs. <laughs> yeah. It was really comical. Um, in fact, <laughs> last night, sometimes we will just have friends on in the background as true millennials, as true millennials. Right. And while we're either working or doing something else and cause it's a nice, <laughs> like comforting distraction of, yes. of like life from life, excuse me. And so, we were we started and Stephanie's like, wait a minute, like what's going on? Like the last time we were watching this, like we were way far back, and I was like, babe, we watched all these episodes together. <laughs> like there were about six or seven episodes <laughs> that she had yeah. zero recollection of. I I basically blacked out like <laughs> that first weekend, and I didn't realize that I was just blacked out watching Friends with you. I know. Did I request Friends as well? You did. You yeah. Were, you specifically wanted to watch Friends. Oh. And I was like, okay, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm. That's not. I'm just a husband at the whim of his <laughs> wife, so of course I'm gonna let just watch, watch Friends, Friends with, you. with you, even though you're not gonna apparently retain any of this information. <laughs> exactly. It's a good thing I've seen the whole show through at least three or four times now. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Did I do anything else funny that you want to share with the weirdos? Hmm. You would just kind of like sometimes walk around and you would just like, you had, cause she also had these like massive, like, like sunglasses on that she even had to wear inside. Yeah. And she would just like come out and like stare at me. I'm like, Hey babe, do you need anything? Just nothing. <laughs> and silence. Then just silence. And then she'd be like, my eyes hurt. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> cause yeah. you had a laser go through them. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd go back. And then you just go back. Yes. I definitely felt like a Victorian era lady that was just like wasting away in our room. <laughs> and instead of opium, I had like a bunch of Xanax and gabapentin. Yeah. Um, it was a wild ride. I yes. don't recommend doing that many drugs, friends. I don't. <laughs> no. You know what? This is a good reminder, kids. Stay away from drugs. Yeah. Don't do drugs. One thing I will remember, I do remember before we move on to the episode that I've prepared is the day after the surgery, (laughs) I asked Andrew for toast for breakfast, just like a piece of toast with almond butter. Right. And then I dropped it on myself, on my lap, on my leg, I think. And Mm -hmm. I started crying. This is true. And then... Andrew comes over to help clean it up and I was like look what you did (laughs) me fully aware that I dropped the toast it was really funny I'm so glad to be back though I'm really glad you're back too and to not be a loony Victorian ghost lady anymore I know because last weekend was rough it was (laughs) like me just like writing the notes for the episode and also taking care of you like just like full time oh yeah it must have been so much quieter without me it was a lot quieter i will say that (laughs) well this week i have an episode to share and you get to sit back and listen to story time lovely 
Are you ready? Oh, I was born ready. Okay. But before we jump in, I have a question for you. I love questions. Go ahead. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be a lighthouse keeper? Like literally not once. Are you serious? Has that ever crossed my mind? No. Okay. If you think about it, that's very odd. I wasn't expecting that answer. If you think about it now, what do you think it would be like? Like what do you imagine a lighthouse keeper's life to be like? I picture that one movie with like Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe and they're just like crazy. Is there a movie with those two where they're lighthouse keepers? Yes. What's the movie? I don't remember the the name of it, but yeah, it's like, I mean. Oh, I've never even heard of this. It's in black and white. I mean, obviously it's only like a few years. So it's very artsy. It's very artsy. Yeah. It came out a few years ago, but it's in black and white and it's just kind of wild like I've, I've never seen the full thing i've mm-hmm. only seen like little snippets of it and it is weird so you actually would have kind of a negative idea of what it would be like i think it would be really really eerie and because yeah. especially like there was this also mo- like horror movie in the 80s maybe it was called like the fog or something uh-huh and yeah like like this fog would come in and this one of the, the lighthouse keeper got like murdered by these like supernatural spirit things oh very interesting both of these movies seem to tie in to today's episode actually See, this is exactly why i wouldn't be a lighthouse keeper yeah because okay what i was going to say about it or what i thought you might say about it was yes. that the idea of being a lighthouse keeper i i thought my understanding was like it's a very romanticized idea of being a lighthouse keeper like you have the beautiful ocean view, you have oh, the solitude, and there's this like kind of air of mystery. I picture like having a warm cup of tea and reading a book in your lighthouse. Mm, I okay. I, you know there is one exception though of a lighthouse that I would mm-hmm. want to be like a lighthouse keeper at. Oh yeah, tell me. The lighthouse of Alexandria. Oh. That's so cute and nerdy. That's, I know. It's so nerdy. There you go. But okay. There we go. Yeah. So you, there seems to be some appeal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in that one very specific instance, <laughs> because it was like, I don't think it, it wasn't one of the seven wonders. No, it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Definitely. Yeah. Well, this week's episode is definitely more aligned with those spooky movies that you were talking about Ooh. and would definitely shatter any romantic notions of lighthouse keeping. Because we are going to dive into the mystery of Ellen Moore. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So let me get started. Oh, snap. In December of the year 1900, on the Scottish island of Ellen Moore, three lighthouse keepers, James Ducat, who was the principal lighthouse keeper, Thomas Marshall, and Donald MacArthur, were stationed here on this small island in the what is known as the Flannan Isles, like a chain of islands. Okay. The lighthouse was actually newly constructed the year prior in 1899, and it was to guide ships through the notoriously treacherous waters of this North Atlantic region. And then on December 15th of that year, Marshall, the principal keeper, noted the last entry on their log he wrote, quote, storm ended, sea calm, God is over all, end quote. Shortly afterward, the three lighthouse keepers disappeared and were never seen again. 
Over a hundred years later, the events of this disappearance still remains a mystery. Oh my God. Okay. Are you intrigued? I'm very intrigued. Yes. <laughs> I'm assuming there's more. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine like, that's okay, it. Okay. That's the episode guys. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> well, this obviously has led many people to ask, was there a freak accident? Did something sinister happen or perhaps even something paranormal that made these three skilled lighthouse keepers vanish? And it is noted over and over again in the investigation of this, that all three men had a lot of years of experience. One of them had 22 years of experience of lighthouse keeping. Okay, so they're not novices. Nope. This is the spooky mystery that we will dive into for today's episode. Ooh, very exciting. So let me tell you a little bit more backstory. Please. The Flannan Isles are a remote and uninhabited chain of islands off the west coast of Scotland. And the lighthouse, as I mentioned, was a new construction at the time of the disappearance these waters specifically around these islands have long been tied to stories of sea creatures and spirits oh wow i'm talking way back to the pagan days okay this is ancient spooky stuff Ooh, i love the ancient spooky stuff <laughs> but all the locals knew of these like ancient sort of pagan tales and beliefs and still had a lot of I'd say hesitation around traveling through these islands. And this is like the I, the s north coast of Scotland, did you say? Yeah, it is like the northwest. The I northwest, mm -hmm. okay. So. Yeah, that is pretty far up, like in terms of longitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Latitude, long, whatever. Very foggy, yeah. very remote. And the islands themselves, the, at least the ones that I saw, definitely um, Ellen Moore, the one where the story is taking place basically just look like rocks like those kinds of islands like very barren and it's very cold and very cold definitely actually on the island of lewis what a funny name for an island lewis <laughs> this is near the island of ellen moore there's even a standing stone circle it's older than stonehenge oh and it's known as the standing stones of Callanish. and this speaks to the sense of mystical energy in the area right but to this day, the most infamous tale of these aisles is the story of our lighthouse keepers. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Standing stones, you know what I think of immediately, by the way. Outlander. Of course. I mean, I, you said the standing stones, and I was like, oh, uh, she's going to make an Outlander reference or I allude to it. have to, especially with the spooky disappearance. It is weird, I, I will say. <laughs> so, in fact, the mystery of Elon... Ellen Moore, excuse me, has inspired poetry, songs, and even film. For example, apparently the movie The Vanishing, which came out in 2018, was based on this story that we're about to dive into, and it stars Gerard Butler and Peter Mullen. Oh my gosh, I should we should watch that. We should totally watch it. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I'm very intrigued, but it would it be too scary for you? Well, I knew you'd ask that. Yeah. So here's a quick synopsis for Ooh. folks unfamiliar with the film, like us. According to Rotten Tomatoes, I believe, the synopsis says, three lighthouse keepers arrive on an isolated island off the Scottish coast and find an object that becomes the catalyst to a struggle for survival as they are overcome by greed, 
and paranoia. Ooh, greed and paranoia. Great combination right there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, back to our mystery. So, again, just to set the scene, we are in December of the year 1900. And per my research, I've inferred that lighthouse keepers would be stationed at a location like Ellen Moore in shifts for about three to four weeks. And then they'd be given like a week off to go home with their families while like um, someone would cover them for the next three to four weeks, if that makes sense. Yeah, got it. That makes sense. So these three men are on, have just started a shift in December together. And for the first couple of weeks of this specific shift, everything was normal. Uh, Ships reported seeing the lighthouse lit as they passed by and their boss even came to visit them on December 7th, the superintendent of lighthouse keepers. Wow. And there's a photo of the three men, the three lighthouse keepers and their superintendent together. That is actually the last time anyone will see those three men alive. Oh my God. That photo. So we'll share that on Instagram for sure. Definitely. So one day when they're on this shift, however, things change because the light in the lighthouse goes out. Interesting. Do we know the date? Mm -hmm. I'll reference it in a little bit. No one knows why. Of course, the light has gone out and they just start getting random sort of sporadic reports from ships that have docked like, hey, the lighthouse is out. Yeah. And they were trying to send the relief crew early. It was to go check on the men, but there was some bad weather and it's December. It's the holidays. I I think that played into it. So they didn't actually get out there until December 26th. Oh, and also the seas are going to be really rough during that time, too. Yeah. I guess you just mentioned that. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, they arrive on a ship called Hesperus uh, to Elon, Ellen Moore, and it's a relief crew of lighthouse keepers. At this point, they note that the light had not been officially reported by anyone since December 12th. That was the last time they got confirmation that the light was on but they don't know exactly when it went out gotcha so it's been two weeks now at this point Mm-hmm. upon arrival the ship's captain a man named jim harvey sounded his horn and set up a flare in the hope of alerting the lighthouse keepers typically they would come out um, to greet the crew and they have like their empty boxes of supplies and they get the fresh supplies type of thing right but there was no reply so a member of the relief crew named joseph moore Gets off the boat alone. He's like, you guys wait here. Okay. And he goes on the island to scope out the situation. Moore noted that the entrance gate and the main door were locked. And once inside the lighthouse, he discovered that the beds were neatly made. And all of the lighthouse related tasks and procedures had been appropriately followed. Uh, Apparently this side note that I found in my research During this time, Scotland was really trying to, like, standardize and revamp their lighthouse systems. So following a standard operating procedure was really important at this time. They were trying to improve safety conditions. Oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So he's like, oh, yeah, they did all the things, like, all the safety checks. Looks like they did their checks for the day. Right. But he realizes that the clock in the kitchen wall had stopped. And the table was set for a meal... But no one had eaten it. Interesting. 
two out of the three jackets kind of like those lighthouse keeper jackets you know the, with the big buttons yes <laughs> yes two out of three were missing someone left their jacket okay. there only one of them was there mm-hmm. got it and the only sign of life in the whole lighthouse was a canary that was in its cage oh yeah poor little guy what an eerie scene that's right? really eerie so spooky the f- yeah oh did you s- did you know or notice like what time the clock i couldn't find at? it i knew you'd ask i, know. I couldn't find it uh, i'm sure there's like books that have like gone into like more precise detail i'm sure it's out there but in all the articles that i was reading they never said they just noted that the clock stopped ah. and it's the only clock in the lighthouse okay and it stopped um so then the rest of the hesperus ship crew comes aboard the island they light the lighthouse mm-hmm. and they start to search for the guys these three keepers right but nothing so they they stay the night and more that the guy who initially had disembarked wrote in a letter to their superiors at the lighthouse board quote the following day we traverse the island from end to end but still nothing to be seen to convince us what happened. So there was zero sign like what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Like they're, it's just like they vanished. It looked like they vanished. Exactly. The East landing was like completely in order, but the West landing did have an empty box that was typically used for holding ropes and a piece of the iron railing was broken. But this damage was already previously addressed in their logs. Oh, I see. Which means it didn't happen in tandem with the disappearance. Right. So it happened before and then... We don't know how much before, may, or I'm sure we know days versus hours potentially, but it's not what happened at the exact moment that they disappeared. Right. It's not the reason for it. Like the fact mm-hmm. that they, they referenced it. They're like, oh, the, sh- the ship broke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's how they recorded it. That's exactly. That's very (laughs) professional of them. Yes. So speaking of the logbook, while it was a good resource to have the principal log the principal lighthouse keeper would log notes of changes in weather, any damages to the lighthouse, again, any other notable events. This Ellen Moore logbook didn't clarify anything. The entries from Marshall were a little odd and left investigators with more questions than answers. And as a reminder, the final entry we have read storm ended, comma, see calm, period. God is over all end. That's just weird. That doesn't really, I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense at the same time. In addition to this haunting final message, December 12th entry, which is the last day we know the lighthouse was on, reported severe winds and storms. But oddly, there were no storms in the area until the 17th. Okay. So Marshall on the 12th is writing like there's like really intense winds. There's a big storm, but there wasn't a storm. Oh my God. 
Isn't that weird? This reminds me, there is this one movie, I think it was like made in 1980, and I have no idea what the, what the name of it is, but uh, like the whole premise is like there's this aircraft carrier and it's caught up in the storm that's kind of like came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and then the storm dissipates and they find out, lo and behold, that they're actually all the way back in 1941. Oh my God. Yeah, so you have like this like aircraft carrier with like jets and stuff and and they realize it is, oh, and here's the kicker. It's like right before Pearl Harbor. Really? Yeah, and so they have this ethical dilemma. It's like, okay, we can stop Pearl Harbor, but do does that set off something even worse? Like, are we like just messing with the, like, uh, the timeline? That's so cool. Do you remember the name of the movie? I don't remember it all, but it had like Kirk Douglas in it or something. Okay. It was some big, there was a big name in it. I'd never heard of it before. Oh, my dad is probably listening and screaming. He's like, oh, it's this movie. <laughs> yeah. In that voice, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of a similar vibe. Yeah. And time travel. Time travel, you man. Know? I love those theories. Yeah. I mean, I'm not seriously suggesting this is time (laughs) travel, but I do think that this is very strange that there wasn't any, they they experienced a storm that no one else experienced. It's so weird. Um, We will get into even stranger, dare I say, sillier theories that people have later on. Oh, I love the silly theories. (laughs) So one of the things that makes this disappearance particularly odd is that It was policy. Again, like I mentioned, they had standardized procedures at this point. Right. So one of those policies and procedures was that one lighthouse keeper, whenever there was a crew, obviously, of like two or more, Mm -hmm. one lighthouse keeper had to remain inside the lighthouse at all times. Okay. So all three of this men, again, would have known the policy. Their boss, you know, can attest to that. So what could have drawn all three of them out for all three of them to have vanished? You know what I mean? Right. Like it would make more sense if like it were a storm or something weather related that two of the guys disappeared and the other guys inside. Like, like, holy crap, what do I do? Yeah. You know, it's like the only thing I could think of is if like some like they got like one guy got hurt and the other guy is like screaming for help or mm-hmm. something. Like, uh, then the third dude just leaves and and then they're you know picked up by a sea monster or something. I don't know. I like it. It was plausible up until that very last. I I'm down with the sea monsters. <laughs> you all know I'll believe anything. So let's look into the investigation to Please. see. I'm very what very happened. interested. Mm-hmm. So since the relief crew had scoured every inch of the island and found no sign of the men or even a real clue of what may have happened, an investigation was launched on December 29th by Robert Muirhead. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. The Northern Lighthouse Board Superintendent. He had originally recruited all three of the men Mm -hmm. who were missing and knew them well. He's the guy that's in the photo with them before he's the last person to see them before they die wow so per muirhead their disappearance was officially recorded as an accident due to bad weather interesting Mm -hmm. and the lighthouses it doesn't matter though the lighthouse's reputation is still sealed as like spooky and tragic Ooh. here's muirhead's official explanation of what he believed happened like he wrote out a report so i'm just going to read directly from it 
From the evidence which I was able to procure, I was satisfied that the men had been on duty up until dinner time on Saturday, the 15th of December, that they had gone down to secure a box, which the mooring ropes, landing ropes, etc., were kept, and which was secured in a crevice in the rock about 110 feet above sea level, and that an extra large sea wave had rushed up the face of the rock, had gone above them, and coming down with immense force, had swept them completely away, end quote. Okay. Like, that sounds like it's probably the most logical mm-hmm. explanation. But with no bodies, right, recovered, no, no bodies ever washed <laughs> up on any shore, um, and the policy that one man must be inside at all times. Right. And the reportedly calm sea conditions up until, this, like, the 17th is the first storm. It left a lot of people unsatisfied. Right. Like, I mean, you do have rogue waves that come in. That's true. Um, but at the same time, again, it, I don't know how, do you know how tall this cliff is? No. Okay. <laughs> if, if I read it somewhere, that information did not stick in my brain. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd imagine pretty big. If it's like a cliff, it's like, it's a cliff. Yeah. The island itself looks it's very high like it's a very high cliffy rocky island so like if that's the case and like the wave would have had to have been really big or the swell or you know whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. yeah in photographs it looks like it would have to be a massive wave okay but who knows right yeah so of course wild and strange theories soon came out even like the press like internationally starts coming out with these like crazy theories like contemporary stories or like contemporary um like no findings. yeah yeah at the time yeah yeah so i'm gonna share those with you Ooh, right i'm now. excited so I'm, some of them they're they're little one-liners that i'm just gonna pop off right here one a ghost pirate ship that, oh my god <laughs> yes that was known locally as phantom of the second hunters probably captured and then likely murdered the trio of men Mm, that sounds likely this ghost ship reminds me of the pirates of the caribbean (laughs) like the curse of the black pearl yeah yeah or the the flying dutchman the flying dutchman yeah that's a good good example because for at least a couple hundred years at this point it had been known to be causing mischief in these waters right and was the reason for ships mysteriously sinking and disappearing (laughs) and things like that so the locals thought that it might be the phantom of the second hunters Mm, i see another big theory for some reason that came up i guess because of the area again and the strange beliefs around the area uh or i'd say maybe ancient beliefs not necessarily strange but people believe that a sea serpent like a big sea monster oh snap oh my god this is the country of Nessie. I was going to say. Monster. Yeah. So, you know. Makes sense. I mean, what? Only 5% of, or less than 5%? I don't even know if I'm just pulling that statistic out of my butt. But I know like a, an overwhelming percentage of what we think lives in the ocean has not been discovered. That's really true. And it's so creepy every time I think about it. So creepy. Kind of cool, fascinating, exciting, but mostly creepy. Yeah, exactly. We think about like cryptids and and such in like 
American folklore, European folklore. I'm, I'm sure like everywhere else in the world, honestly. Yeah. Um, and it's like supernatural and stuff mm-hmm. because, you know, like I'll, I'd say it's probably fair to say that most, especially like big, bigger creatures have been found. Right. Yeah. Like, but that's not the case in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so scary to think about. Okay. And then another final silly one that I, I mean, I think it's silly, but there were rumors going around that the three men had actually arranged for a fairy to come and take them away so that they could fake their deaths and start new lives. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I'm on board es- with that theory. Let's just escape into the night together. Yeah. You know, let's just do it. However, I do believe that two of the three did have wives and children. Oh, so that's kind of sad if if that was the answer. Yeah, I was going to say unlikely, but I mean, if it's not, yeah, if that was true, then that's just really sad. Yes. Two more nefarious theories were pretty well summarized by a a history hit article that I referenced. So I'm just going to quote that article really quick. It states, suspicion fell upon MacArthur, who had a reputation for being bad tempered and violent. Mm. It is speculated that the three men could have had a fight upon the Western landing, which resulted in all three falling to their deaths from the cliffs. It was also theorized that MacArthur murdered the other two and then threw their bodies into the sea before killing himself, end quote. Wow. And I assume they mean killing himself by also throwing himself into the sea. Right, or just maybe shooting himself and falls into the sea. Maybe. Because, again, no bodies. Right, exactly. The very macabre. Yes. So whether or not... I saw some conflicting reports in the research. That's why I just wanted to quote history hit that MacArthur had a bad temper. And I didn't want to, like, badmouth this man that I don't know. Right. So whether or not he had anger issues, this theory was really fueled by the stereotype at the time that lighthouse keepers were known to you know, quote, go mad, go mad, be heavy drinkers. Yes. All that good stuff. Often uh, stereotyped as having deaths by suicide. At the time, it was believed that lighthouse keepers would often go insane by because of the monotony and the isolation. Right. Of their work. Right. And again, very, especially in this location, a very dreary place. Not the happiest yeah, and you're just cut off from society mm-hmm. and, and your just, family for weeks at a time. Right. And there's like, you don't have Netflix because oh it's 1900. It would be a lot chiller now if you had Netflix. Yeah, you just like, ne- <laughs> you just watch movies all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, there may be some merit to the stereotype that there's some mental issues there, but not because of how isolating and boring the job can be. It turns out. That similar to hat makers of the 18th and 19th centuries, we now believe that lighthouse keepers were exposed to mercury. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. How were they exposed to mercury? Well, before the widespread um, electricity use in lighthouses in the 1960s, a lighthouse keeper had to keep a massive lens uh, spinning all day every day right it's the lens moving is what makes that flash oh of a lighthouse i've never i never knew that yeah there's like a big lens that's just going in front of the light and making it look like it's flashing yes 
So in the late 1800s, they began floating these lenses in liquid mercury. Oh, jeez. So the lens it had a metal base which spun more easily in the liquid mercury and it helped it rotate faster and it needed less frequent winding right i see so this was safer for both the boats and the lighthouse keeper yeah that makes sense or so they thought right but it's mercury. so i'll share a brief a brief side story here it's an example of this potential mercury poisoning like further evidence of this from hakai magazine it's a coastal science magazine Mm-hmm. And here's the story. William Brown is the first lighthouse keeper stationed at Ballenas Island in British Columbia. He's the first one. Okay. It's got this like cool liquid mercury thing. Very for the nice. Lens. Yeah. Right, right. Really nice. And he was committed to an insane asylum in May of 1905. Oh, no. He sent really bizarre telegrams back to his colleagues and they were concerned he lived here with his wife oh like full time and his wife once he was committed to an insane asylum she did uh report that he had started exhibiting violent behavior i see so he was released then in june right in may he's in the hospital all month he's released in june because the doctors are like, he's fine. He's not being, he's not saying anything strange and he's not exhibiting violent behavior. He returns to the lighthouse with his wife only to be committed again in April of 1906 for, again, bizarre and aggressive behavior. And while there's no way to say for sure, this is one of the cases that's often looked at as potential for uh, mercury poisoning that could have played a role in Brown's mental health at the time. Got that. Okay. I mean, that's a plausible theory. Yeah. So this leaves us to question, could something similar have happened to our, one of our three lighthouse keepers at Ellen Moore? Right. I mean, and you said one of them had been doing this for 22 years, so that's quite a bit of exposure to mercury. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Right. And maybe at this point he just snapped. And humans are humans, and I'm sure being alone on a rocky, cold island with two other people can be irritating sometimes. Yeah, that sounds like it would be god-awful. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, let me share with you a final theory. Ooh, I like it. So according to historian John Love, the author of the book titled A Natural History of Lighthouses, how cute. That's a really cute title. Mm-hmm. Very interesting subject, actually. He addresses this mystery, and he has a theory. Ooh, I want to hear it. He writes, since it was not permitted for all three to abandon the lighthouse, only two men must have gone down to the landing to secure gear. The third, which he posits is MacArthur. Again, this is the one that's... Uh, has the allegations that he may have harmed the other two. Right. So again, every, everyone's saying that he's the third one. So the third, Donald MacArthur, would have remained back in the lighthouse. But when his companions did not return, maybe he was concerned for their safety. Or else he maybe he saw a great wave approach and rushed to warn them. MacArthur may have only been swept away himself. So he's saying in a funny way, like, Either 
they never came back and he's like where'd they go and they had been swept away and then he got swept away or maybe he saw that they were about to be swept away ran, ran out and then got swept away with them yeah i mean i was gonna say that does sound like the, probably the most like plausible theory yeah it's it's funny you mentioned that because here i i noted or i reference um what i think is pronounced occam's razor Mm-hmm. That theory that tells us that the simplest answer is most often the correct answer. Right. So to me, this guy, Love, his explanation seems to be the simplest, but I'm not sure if it's necessarily the correct answer. Right. And that's fair because we weren't there, so we can't say for certain. But if we think about it logically, that is that accounts for things. And it we're not adding like more assumptions Right. We're not saying like, oh, if this and then this. And right. Then, uh-huh. It's just the most straightforward explanation. It could also be like, even if, um, even simpler, for whatever reason, the three guys, we all break rules at work, right? Yeah. They're just like, F it. Let's just go. To, well, it'll be faster if we go together. Exactly. And then a wave hits. Because I do think it would be a bit too much of a coincidence for there to be like two big rogue waves. Exactly. No, I think it would have had to just been one. Yeah. And it's either like, oh, all three went and they got swept away, or maybe you know, he the saw guy it coming runs, runs out. To, yeah. And then. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I think you're right. Ultimately, we may never know the truth. The only three souls who know for certain what happened were James Ducat, Thomas Marshall, and Donald MacArthur. And that is the mystery of the three lighthouse keepers at Ellen Moore. Wow. That was really interesting. To wrap up this story, I actually want to share two short excerpts yeah. of um, a poem called Flannan Isle by the British poet Wilfred Wilson Gibson. Because this poem does such a great job of embodying the eerie and spooky vibes of mm-hmm. this story. It's written as a fictionalized perspective of one of the relief crew members that shows up and finds the guys missing so the poet is writing like he's one of the relief workers right the first verse goes we listened but we only heard the feeble cheeping of a bird that starved upon its perch and listening still without a word we set about our hopeless search and then we have we seem to stand for an endless while, though still no word was said. Three men alive on Flannan Isle who thought of three men dead. Oh my gosh. I Isn't mean, that's that good? really good, but very, very not cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> very not cheerful. I agree, but I thought it was so good and totally encompasses the eerie vibes that I wanted to share. But because I don't want to end this episode on a total bummer, (laughs) let me share a fun fact with the weirdos. Yes. Let's go back to the profession of lighthouse keeping. Okay. Okay. Let's go back there. Okay. As I was doing this research, I had a burning question. Do lighthouse keepers still exist? Well, in the United States, at least, today, all lighthouses are automated with the exception of the Boston Light in the Boston Harbor Islands National Rec Area. A law was actually passed in 1989 requiring that the Boston Light remain manned by a person. Wow. So a keeper does work there today. 
But I don't know how many other countries still have humans manning their lighthouses. But in the United States, there is... At least one. At least just, yeah, presumably only one. Presumably only one, unless I guess there's a private lighthouse where someone is like, I just live here. Right, but it's not part of like... Not part of the official system. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's crazy. I know. I thought that was so interesting. And I wanted to hear because we're fortunate enough to have weirdos from different parts of the world. If you all know, are there lighthouse keepers? Yeah, if you're randomly obsessed with lighthouses, like let us know. (laughs) If you're randomly obsessed with lighthouses, then this was the episode for you. Definitely. It's funny. My aunt and uncle, my tia Mago and tia Arturo, my tío Arturo's in, or was in, he's retired now, the Mexican Navy. They're obsessed with lighthouses. <laughs> I'm They're not surprised. Obsessed. Their whole home when I was a kid was just lighthouse themed. Wow. Like the, oh my God. The towels had little lighthouses. There were little lighthouse statues everywhere. Um, lighthouse paintings. So I can't think of a lighthouse and not think of them. Okay. Well, that's a good to know. Yeah. There we go. When we go visit them in Mexico City, you may see some lighthouses. Remnants of the lighthouse obsession. I really hope so. And then I'll remember this conversation. Yes. (laughs) Well, weirdos, my sources for this week include History Hit, um, Pan Macmillan. There's a really good article there. Crime Wire and the U.S. National Parks when I referenced the lighthouse system in the U.S. And of course, Wikipedia was very helpful. And that is all I have for you weirdos on the missing lighthouse keepers of Ellen Moore. Wow. Th- I had no idea about this story. Uh, I'd never heard of it before until oh, you so told me. I'm so glad that I got to share it with you then. Yeah, exactly. I really liked it. Um, and so weirdos, I hope you guys liked it as well. Yeah. I'm so glad to be back. We are excited to be back again next week with more spooky stuff for our summer ween episodes. Yes, exactly. We have... Two more episodes coming up. Two more spooky episodes for you all. And just a quick plug. uh, If you are not already following us on Instagram, please do. It's where we're going to update you all. Exactly. As of now, we don't have an email list or anything like that. We may in the future, but this is the easiest way for us to update you if I'm like blind and on drugs in the other room and it's just going to be andrew for the week that's how you'll know (laughs) that's how you'll know and also you can follow us on threads as well that's true the brand new instagram twitter hybrid yeah Uh, on all of these platforms we are at history for weirdos exactly well weirdos until the next time (laughs) i why did i butcher that so badly You got nervous. I got nervous. You got nervous saying goodbye. <laughs> I don't want to say bye to you guys. Exactly. We don't want you guys to go. No. But we got to go. We got to go. I'm hungry. We got to eat dinner. Yes. We got to start cooking dinner. Ugh. Ugh. Well, weirdos, until next time. Until next time. Adios. Did it go this time? It did go this time. Okay.